Welcome to the Reaching the World Bible Church podcast. This is Pastor Henry and Ella Looney. Our prayer is that you enjoy the word for today. It makes a difference who you're running with. Who you run? What do you mean by that, Pastor? It makes a difference who you run with. Well, we used to say that back in my day. I don't know if the young folks say that now or not, but who you're surrounded with. Uh, there's an old phrase, that, that, uh, not phrase, but a, a quote that's in the world that said, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, then everybody's going to believe it's a duck. Whether it's a duck or not, they're going to say, because if you're doing everything ducks do and you act like a duck and you look like a duck, then folks going to figure you're just a duck, whether you want or not. And so uh, in, in, in thinking about this particular message title, I, 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 I thought this, whoever you and I surround ourselves with, the people or the things that we surround ourselves with, it should help us to mature. Surround yourself with people and things to help you mature, to go stronger in the things of God. Because you can do the opposite of that. If you surround yourself with people that lead you astray, that will cause problems in your life. If you're out with folks that are doing things wrong and you're with them, you know, we've seen that recently in, in, in folks that, that just were around with people that did things wrong. They end up getting charged for the same crime that, that the folks that, 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 were, that committed the crime. And, and if you do that, in some cases, that'll happen. And so it makes a difference who you surround yourself with and what things you surround yourself with. The scripture reference that this whole scripture, this whole teaching came to me about with was Proverbs 27, verse 17. And it should be very familiar with you. I quote it all the time, and you probably do. Proverbs 27, 17, and the NIV says it like this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person can sharpen another. Iron is a metal that we consider and that we know is strong. It's strong on the outside. It's strong all the way through. So when you reference, and I believe that's the reason God referenced this scripture with iron, because it was a strong metal. He said... For a strong metal to be sharpened, it's going to take another strong metal to sharpen it. Someone that's strong. Someone that has strength. And he said in this verse, so one person sharpens another. One person that, if you're strong, the only way you're going to get strength is to be around other folks that are strong. Now, Pastor, are you saying that you should never be around anyone else that who's not strong? No, I'm not saying that. But I will say this. If you're around folks and they are weak and you allow them to influence you to be weak, that's a problem. Look at his name and say, I believe he's talking to you right now. Who you've been hanging with. Amen. <laughs> that was another phrase we used to. Who are you hanging with? Because when you hang with folks, you tend to do what they do. 
I know this. I, I can remember in college, I, I, I started hanging with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, guys and I, something, uh, you know, I, I pledged a fraternity in college and, and uh, always when I was in, you know, I, I never would allow a foul word to come out of my mouth. Never would. But the guys that I, that I, that I, that I was hanging with, they, they were cussers. And they started cussing. And you know, for too long, I found myself listening to cuss words come out of my mouth. I started cussing just because, I guess because I was hanging with folks that cussed. I got influenced by, the, by to do something wrong that I normally never did, that I never would do. And you know, it left a bad taste in my mouth. It took God to change me, to get back to what I was. So it's important. If you're not strong enough to hang around folk that are weak, when I say hang around, to be around them on a consistent basis, you need to find another, another crowd. If you're a Christian and folk are doing wrong and that's who you're hanging with, you definitely need to find another crowd. You need to get in a Christian crowd that's doing what's right. Notice how I added that? Because I mean, no, some Christian crowds can, can, can stray off from town, can't they? Amen, Pastor. That's good teaching. Go ahead. I believe I will. So iron sharpens iron. Godly people that you hang with can help sharpen you. And if you're strong, then you can influence someone that's weak. That's the reason we ought to be able to hang to be with others. And God wants us to influence others so that they can grow strong in the Lord. We highlighted this message is this. We said sharpening has purpose, but it can also be painful. Why is that? Being sharpened by iron. Our character is developed by cutting away and removing things that can hinder our development. You see, when you become stronger in God and your Christian character and your Christian walk, you're going to find there are things that may be habits that you have that um, don't exhibit good godly character. God will help you to cut those things off with the word of God, to remove those things. And I mean, no, if you cut anything away, it hurts. If you're used to doing something and all of a sudden you stop doing it, it can challenge you. It can be painful. Because you got to strip yourself of those unrighteous things, those un ungodly things, or allow God to help you do that. And he does that through the word. I see it sometimes. When I'm up here teaching and preaching, and I'll say something real strong and cutting, and sometimes y'all look at this, whoo. I said, I said, something got cut away then. But you know, if it get cut away, if you want to, you can reach down and pick it back up and grab it and put it back on. Amen. You can, be, you can be an anointed service and a lot of things being gone and you say, you, you, you tell God, I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to do it anymore. Then you get out, you get under pressure, especially if you're walking with, with, with a group that's doing that and you'll find yourself doing it again. You, we got to grow strong enough to be sharpened by not only godly people, but godly things like the word of God that will 
chop away, that will cut away, that will remove things that will hinder our walk with God. How many want to grow stronger in God to care? Do you want to grow stronger in the things of God that you know you want to do? God will help you to do that. And primarily, he helps us do that through the word of God. The word of God is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That means, to me, I say it like this. It'll cut away, and then it'll heal all at the same time. I mean, no, we need that sometimes. Some bag gets cut away, you need a healing ointment to go on that, don't you? You need a healing anointment, a healing uh, growth. So like we have a soul muscle. Uh, and, and you put that uh, uh, heat or whatever it is on that, that or, or, or cold, that, that heat ointment that, that will cause soothing and, and cause that, that muscle to, to, to relax. And so it won't hurt anymore. God wants us to know that his word is an anointing that will destroy yokes and remove burdens in our lives. Look at Nathan. God will help you. Get through, get over, get past whatever you need to turn loose if you trust and depend on him. Look at the neighbor and say, I'm getting something out of this today. So even though sharpening has purpose, I, I read this and I just copied it down. It said, Iron is sharpened through heat and friction, through cutting and slicing. As it is beaten, iron, it is reshaped into something beautiful and purposeful and even better than it was before. How many seen those iron workers or those designers? They, 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 they put a piece of iron under heat and they take a hammer and they start beating on it. Beating on Bam! Bam! And they're shaping it. They're reshaping that iron into something that will be purposeful or useful. How many know that piece of iron getting beat on? That's, I mean, if that iron had feelings, that would hurt. That would be pain. under heat, under pressure. That would be hurt as Christians. Not that God wants you to be under pressure, under heat, but or, or, or be, to be beat on. But in this world that we're living in, there are tests, there are trials, there are challenges. And you're going to feel like you're being beat on sometimes. But if God is helping you, if God is molding you, if God is developing you, He's going to make you better and more purposeful than you've ever been before. He'll reshape our, our character, even with challenges. He'll help us. That's where you sometimes tests from God will come, but they're always tests of faith. Now, the devil will try to kill you. John 10, 10 said, the thief, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So anytime you have a test or a, a or a trial, God can use that. What the devil meant for bad, God will turn around for the good when we love him. 
And you know what? It'll help you to grow. It'll help you to mature. Passing tests will help you not to make the same mistakes that we made in times past. Look at his name. I know he's talking to you now. Amen. I mean, you know, I don't want to have to spiritually take the same test over and over again. But, you know, we have to do that sometimes when we keep failing them. God's not going to stop. He wants us to grow and develop. And that led me into the, into the, the, the question, how do I grow? Or why? Or when? And I said this, I thought about this for myself. And for us as Region World Bible Church, it's time to grow up. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's time for you and I to grow up spiritually and put down some stuff that's been making us weak. It's time for us to give out, get off of the spiritual bottle and start eating strong meat. Amen. Amen. I mean, when you're a baby, you can't eat steak. You don't have teeth at first, but even when you're a baby, you don't have uh, the, the ability to digest, uh, you know, meat or strong food that you have to chew a lot because you haven't matured enough. But as you grow, as you develop, because when you're a baby, first you, dr you, you drink milk, mother's milk or, or milk or 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 just, just uh, or then you get to where you get soft food, baby food. How many remember baby food? I mean, as parents, I remember. Did you ever taste the baby food? The vegetables are just awful. No seasoning in them at all. And you wonder why the baby didn't want to drink, didn't want to eat it. I used to take, because the fruit, well, I tasted that too, and the fruit was good. I remember one particular fruit. I can't remember the name of it. I liked it. I, I, I would eat it. And I had to be careful because I would eat more than Christopher. But you could mix the fruit in with the vegetables, and then he would like it. So it would make a difference what, how, how you fix stuff. God knows how to fix us stuff so we can digest it and develop. Because you need your vegetables. You need them so, so you can be strengthened. Even though you might not have liked broccoli, broccoli's good for you. I like broccoli when I put cheese on it. A little melted cheese, you know, put it on there. Y'all don't like, well, that's, that's y'all. You, 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 you have the right for your own choice. But I like broccoli with a little, little cheese sauce on there. It's good that way. I, that was one thing. I used to didn't like spinach. I didn't like spinach, but as I, you know, something about that, spinach, as I grew older, and I don't know if it's because of the way Sister Ella fixed it, she put eggs in it and seasoned it with seasoning, I got where I love spinach now. I love these spinach, and that made me think, I, I, anybody my age, you remember Popeye the Sailor Man? He was strong to the finish because he ate his spinach. He was Popeye the Sailor Man. Boop, boop, y'all remember that? Pastor, you just getting weird to that. Well, you know, I, like, I just love cartoons. You know. Popeye the Sailor Man, that's one of my, one of my favorite. Bluto, and Olive Oil. 
I never could understand. I said this, but I never could understand why in the world is Bluto and Popeye fighting over, over skinny olive oil. No, not, nothing wrong with if you're thin and skinny. Praise God. God bless you. All that over with. Anyway, that's another story. There's another teaching sometime. We won't get it. But it's time for us to grow up. <laughs> it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to mature. How do you mature? Iron sharpens iron. Who are you hanging? Are you hanging with people that can strengthen you to help you? Who are those people? What are some of those things? We looked in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. And God gave us in the body of Christ some people, some gifts, and things, the word of God, and people anointed to teach it to help us. These are some of the ones, along with your godly friends that, that have godly character, that you surround yourself with to help you. Who are they, Pastor? In Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give these gifts to these people that he anointed to help us through the word? Why? For the perfecting of the saints. When I first read that, I thought he gave these people, and they were the perfected ones, but he gave these people to train us as believers, to perfect us. These gifts are teaching, fivefold ministry gifts were given to perfect the saints. So that the saints, not just the ministry, and I mean, no, just the, the ministry gifts, just the preachers can't do the work of the ministry by themselves. It takes the entire body of Christ. So we all need to grow and mature and be sharpened for the perfecting of the saints so that the saints, all of them, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edification means blessed, growing, maturing. Why do we need that? Verse 13 tells us, till we all come in a unity, the oneness, the working together as one of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The more of God's words you know, the more you glean and walk in, the more you can act on that knowledge and grow and mature and develop your faith unto a perfect, or a, that word perfect in verse 13 means a mature man. When you act on the knowledge of God's word and develop that, you grow Christian character and you become more mature. And then you don't trip over the same things that you tri tripped over last year. You know, we shouldn't be in the same spiritual condition that we were five years ago. We should have matured and grown up. We ought not to make the same mistakes over and over again, year after year, when we get the word and feed on it and grow. He said, unto a perfect, a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 says this, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. When you're a child, you act like a child. But the scripture says you when you become a man, you put away childish things. See, when your child are immature in the things of God, you get tossed to and fro. You make one decision one, one way, and then you do the exact opposite because you're not steady. You don't have a, a good foundation. But when you become a man, when you become mature, you put away that unsteadiness. 
and cared about, the scripture says in verse 14, when, when, when you toss to and fro, you're cared about with every wind of doctrine. How many know there's all kinds of doctrine out in the world? You could be in a Christian church and get some crazy doctrine in some places. You won't get it here. We're going to stick by the word. We're going to stick in the word. I know I've got brothers and sisters in, in, in different churches now because of decisions that uh, so-called leadership has made. It's just a mess because it's ungodly. It's contrary to the word. That's what this scripture is about. It says people can be carried away. In the modern day age of accepting anything and everything is ungodly. If God didn't accept it in the scripture, we hadn't got any business accepted. That doesn't mean that we don't love people that, that may be dealing with those sort of temptations. We love them, but we pray for them to change. Not to condone and just operate in that kind of stuff. Because it leads to hell. A lot of churches have quit talking about hell. Hell is real. Hell is just as real a place as heaven is. And folks are going to be surprised who's in heaven. And then folks in hell may be surprised who's there. Because the Bible said just because you call out the name of Jesus doesn't mean you know him. How do you tell when you know him? He said if we confess with mouth and believe in our heart and ask him to come into our lives, he showed us in scripture that our lives will change because we'll mature and grow. So when you do that, you ought to see some change. If nobody else sees change in you, you ought to see change. You ought to know you change. When you invite Christ in your life, certain things that, that uh, didn't bother you before, that you did, that were ungodly, they'll start bothering you. And you won't be able to do them comfortably anymore. Now, if you continue to do them, you'll get where your conscience will be seared. And it'll be easier to do those wrong things again. But thank God, if you're loving Christ and you're seeking Christ through seeking the word, being in places where the word is taught, the anointed word is taught, you're not going to be comfortable living in sin. You're not even going to be comfortable around sin. I look at the television today sometimes, and commercials will come on, and I see stuff that I said, oh, it grieves me. Be watching something on television, and something happens on there, I have to turn the channel. I can't watch all that junk. It grieves my heart. It grieves my spirit. Why? Because Jesus lives in me. And my character, my nature has changed. And I, I, I don't like, even if you... Even if you used to love alcohol when, before you got saved, once you found out that wasn't what you needed to do or your drugs and stuff like that, you, you quit practicing that. And God will help you. Even if it was a stronghold, God will help to remove those things. He will cut away. Iron sharpens iron. The iron of God's word is the strongest iron that there is. This verse says, I'm going to start back reading it at the beginning of verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, people tricking you, by the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There are people that are wolves in sheep clothing. 
They'll walk around professing to be saved, and they're not. That's where you, you, you need to have the true vine, the, the true anointed holy one living on the inside of you so you can recognize. Don't allow, if something grieves your heart, your spirit, leave it alone. Verse 15 says this, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, time to grow up, isn't it? Unto him in all things which is head, even Christ. I looked in the Amplified of verse 13, 14, and 15, and I read this to you. It amplified some words out. It said this, this Ephesians 4, 13, and Amplified. Until we all reach oneness in the faith, unity, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. When we come together, we ought to be exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. We ought to be seeking the gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. Verse 14 says this, so that we are no longer children spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous ungodly men by the defeatful schemings of people ready to do anything for personal profit you know there are people like that in the world it's sad to say but there are people like that in the church that's the reason the bible says for us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices don't just accept anything, no matter where it comes from. Check it out according to the word. Verse 15 says, but speaking truth in love in all things, both of speech and our lives, expressing his truth. Let us grow up in all things unto him. How? Following his example, who is the head, Christ. As we come to a a stopping part. I'm not finished, but we're coming to a stopping part. I'll say this first before I get to the next topic. It is dangerous for believers to try and fulfill their calling without being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's dangerous. If the Holy Spirit is not leading to guide you in all truth, who is? Who are you following? What are you following? I said it like this before I get to this next verse, and you'll see why I said it like this. We need to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. We need to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? Drunk. Did y'all hear what that preacher down there recent world Bible church say y'all to get drunk? No, I said we ought to be intoxicated or drunk in the Holy Spirit. There's scriptural references to this. It's not something I made up. As believers, there is a intoxication that we ought to have in God. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5, verse 18, this is the GNT translation, said this. 
Do not get drunk with wine, which will only ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. See, when you get filled with the Spirit, sometimes you'll do strange things. I remember getting filled with the Spirit. I was in the service one time, and spirit of laughter just came all over the place. I was with, with my father. We were in, in, in a, in a Wonder Bible seminar, and the first time I ever experienced that. And we were out there, and the spirit of laughter came on. Brother Hagin was laughing. Other folks were just laughing. And I just looked at it, and I just started laughing. I just started laughing. <laughs> it, it was like I, I was, I got some blessed just from laughing. The Bible says laughter is like a medicine. But the spirit of laughter, I got intoxicated in the Holy Ghost, and I could barely walk. I walked out stumbling around just like I'd seen in times past folks that were drunk stumbling around. I was intoxicated in the spirit, but I was blessed and happy. You wonder why them folks are getting high on, on alcohol, slobbering around and, and barely stumbling and then laughing. With the devil, wine and alcohol, you have a, you have a joy for a time but the wages of that is death. But when you get intoxicated in the Holy Ghost, in the Spirit, that's life. When I got out in the car, my daddy was concerned about me driving home. I was in such bad shape. Uh, I should say, in good shape. Because <laughs> I was standing around. But when I got in the car, I was just happy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Ephesians 5, verse 18, in the New King James, it says like this, and we're about, to, we're about to finish up. It says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, folk that are drunk, they're happy and they're singing. You, you seen them like that? They're singing. They're happy for a while. But when you're drunk in, in, in the Holy Ghost, when you're intoxicated in the Holy Ghost, you're going to sing and then there's, there's no afterwards. See, I understand I've never been drunk uh, in a natural alcohol, but understand that you have a hangover the next day and you feel awful. Is that true? I figured some of y'all would know. <laughs> I never experienced that before. Now I have experienced a lot of things. I didn't mean no harm. Y'all forgive me. That was wrong, wasn't it? That was wrong. I repent. I repent. But I understand that's, that's what happened. You have a hangover. But when you get drunk in the Holy Ghost, there's no bad hangovers. There's just blessing. You don't, you don't have to, you don't, you don't get up feeling bad and have to, have to do something. You get up feeling great. Because you experience, you, 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 you've experienced that transforming spirit anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens. Getting in the spirit, intoxicating the spirit, is needed in the church more. We need to flow in the Holy Ghost to where the joy of the Lord overcomes us. I was in service like that uh, uh, last week. And I hadn't talked about it. Pastor L and I talked about it. Pastor Hagen was teaching on, on Monday night there in Huntsville. And he called Sister L and I out up front and laid hands on us. And he told us some things. And I just went out in the spirit. 
he spoke over some things. He said, he said, you've been, uh, I don't have it with me. He said, this is the gist of it. He said, you've been expecting some things. He said, you've been expecting some things. They're going to come to pass. They're going to come to pass. He called us out in a group of hundreds of people. He said, they're going to pass. He said, he told me, he told both of us, don't step back from it. Go on. I was blessed. He went around and ministered to a number of folks, but he called us up. It was worth it just for that. I'm expecting greater things. Pastor, are you just waiting on God? No, I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling. I'm going to up my reading. I'm going to up what I do. I'm going to do my part because God's going to do his. I'm going I'm to press toward the mark of the high calling and we're going to get it. We're going to see some things that we've been expecting come to pass. The Holy Ghost through him said it. I believe it. I've been expecting. I've been waiting on it for a while. As I close, and what he's doing for a lot of us right now, we need to be on a potter's wheel. We need to be on a potter's wheel. I'm going to read this quickly, these last few verses. Jeremiah 18. What do you mean being on a potter's wheel? When, when, when you get on a potter's wheel, you're clay that's being molded. But clay that's being molded needs to be soft. That means you need to be pliable to where God can work with you. Don't be so stubborn and hard if God wants to do something in your life that you said, no, nah, I want to do it my way and don't allow him to mold you. Being on a potter's wheel is just like iron sharpened iron. It hurt. It can hurt. He said this in verse 18 of Jeremiah, I mean, chapter 18, verse 1, he said, this is the message that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I will give you my message there. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working with clay at the wheel. He was making a pot from clay, but there was something wrong with the pot. So the potter used that clay to make another pot. In other words, he reformed the pot. I mean, no, sometimes our attitudes need to be reformed. Our actions need to be redone. Here, he said he, he was the pot. The potter reformed that pot. With his hands, he shaped the pot the way he wanted it to be. God wants to shape you the way he wants you and I to be. He said, so this message from the Lord came to me, he said in verse 5. Verse 6, family of Israel, and he's speaking to the family of Region World Bible Church too. You know that I can do the same thing with you. You are like the clay on a potter's wheel, and I am the potter. The message is from the Lord. There may come a time when I will speak about a nation of kingdom that I will pull away the roots and tear down and destroy it, but then you build it back up better. If there are things that need to be torn away in our lives, we need to let it go. Look at Nathan said, whatever you need to let go, let go. And then we, then we finish it with this, Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the ERV. He says this, so I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives. See, God's going to not force us to do anything. We got to give our lives to him so he'll work with us. We need to be on a potter's wheel. As a living sacrifice to him, 
an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Consider what he has done. It is only right that you should worship him in all this way. And then verse 2 says, Don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect or mature. God wants to change his church. But he ain't going to force us to do anything. It's up to us to be pliable and allow him to mold us. Are you willing? Are you willing to allow God to mold you into what he wants to mold you into? It may hurt. You may have to turn loose some stuff. But it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it when he makes you into that, that, that uh, vessel that's fit for the master's use. Glory to God. How many want to be a vessel that's more fit for the master's use? I believe you do. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens. Lord, he thank you. we thank you right now for the anointing that removes burdens, destroys yokes. And Father, we make the confession that we'll never be the same again. Lord, we thank you that we walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, our desire is to please you more than we do ourselves or anyone else. Thank you, Lord, for working with us. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me. Thank you for being patient with us. And, Lord, we just thank you that you, you're not going to stop that, but you're going to help us to step out in faith. Lord, we pray. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice in the house and those that are online right now. Lord, that we be pliable, but we be willing and obedient. And because we are, we're going to eat the good of the land. We thank you for that, Lord. And whatever else you see fit to add or do, we're yielded vessels. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, just say amen. Our eyes closed, our hearts, heads bowed and eyes closed. You at home, you can do the same thing. If you're here, and you may say this, God has been dealing with me about some things but I hadn't been willing to do it. Right now, I'm going to commit to do what God tells me to do. He hadn't left me alone about it, so I, and I know in my heart that it's him. But now I'm going to commit to it. If that's you on anything, all heads bowed, all eyes, eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand in the house. If that's you, and you know God's been dealing with you about doing something, and you just didn't want to do it, or you just refused to do it, raise your hand. If you're in the house, raise your hand. I want to say, okay, I see your hand. You can put it down. I see yours. You can put it down. Praise God. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. When you make that first step, God's going to meet you right there. And he's going to help you to do whatever you need to do. Amen. As, we, as I say this, if you never the first step to walking into God's best, is Jesus coming into your heart. And all you have to do is ask him to do that. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up in here. If you can stand, stand up. And we're all going to pray this prayer. Amen? We're all going to pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Father God, right now, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that you died for me. 
Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sin and cleansing me of all unrighteousness. I am saved. I'm a brand new creature. I will be more obedient, more faithful, and quick to do what you tell me to do, God, than I ever have, than I ever have before. I love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Uh, my E-Church, uh, there are going to come some things on the, on the, uh, on the, on the uh, screen. Uh, if you just prayed that prayer with me, we just prayed, there's some mini books we want to give you. And that's a QR code that's going to show up. You can scan that and go to it. It'll take you to what it means, it's that, that uh, a video to show you what it means, tell you about what it means to be saved. And then if you want to be a member of this church, it'll show you how to do that. And we just thank God for you.